host, Paul Aronowitz, and I'm here at San Francisco International Airport recording the intro to this podcast, which is an interview that I did last week with Elise Boykin about step prep, and I will uh, introduce her to you in a moment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Have a good day. So today, visiting with me in my podcast studio, I have uh, Dr. Elise Boykin, who's currently a second-year medical resident in our internal medicine residency training program here at UC Davis. And I've invited uh, Elise today to talk about prepping for the steps. Uh, I know I did an earlier podcast interview with the two Megans, which if you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. Um, but today, Elise is uh, my special guest, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what her strategies were uh, with prepping for the steps, uh, as well as a course that she actually ran uh, as a fourth-year student uh, to help the people that came after her prepare for the steps as well. So before we get started, Elise, I was wondering if you could just give us a little background on where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to college, medical school, and obviously you're here in our residency training program. Sure. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm actually originally from Pasadena, California, but I've been living in Northern California, Elk Grove, Sacramento area since about fifth grade, so consider myself a NorCal gal. Um, I went to uh, California State University, Sacramento for undergrad and then came to UC Davis for med school. Now I'm here for residency. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in this topic of the steps and ended up going on to start a course and all? Yeah, so to be totally honest, I really didn't get um, interested in step one prep until I failed the court, the test myself um, twice and had to retake it three times. <laughs> um, and then subsequently went on into third year and did fine. Uh, but my contact information got shared multiple, multiple times after that, um, not only among students, but a lot among the um, education student director um, over at UC Davis. And so I started getting all of these random emails, random texts and phone calls from students uh, in various stages. Some people had already failed um, and were reattempting, and some people hadn't attempted yet at all and just wanted advice. Um, and so that happened all through my third year, and I lost actually count of how many students I ended up mentoring that year alone and continue to mentor now. And then as I moved into fourth year, um, I was a doctoring facilitator, and I wanted to uh, as part of the program, actually, we have to come up with a project, and there was a lot of great ideas, and people did, you know, how to call a consult for med students. All of the projects were aimed at um, doing something for the students that kind of coming after you, um, and I <laughs> crazily had this idea that I wanted to do a step one prep course and try to uh, have a novel, uh, just a new way of trying to approach how to s study and prep for the exam. Um, and so I had a lot of imposter syndrome, but after I got over that, I decided to go for it and I put together a curriculum that was um, symptom-based instead of systems-based. So instead of looking at all of the diseases that make up cardiology, it kind of started with a symptom of chest pain and thinking about, this is what we do in the real world. We 
get symptoms from patients of chest pain and then thinking about all of the different organs that may contribute to that and then distinguishing between diseases. Um, and so I ran that course for about six weeks while I was still a fourth year med student and they continued it after me. So it was a great little adventure. So it's still it's still running now. <laughs> yeah, it's the, still running those... now, and they actually pay the fourth year med students oh, to run uh-huh. it. <laughs> so you didn't get retroactive pay. For <laughs> I didn't it? get any. <laughs> Too no, bad. no, but it's a, it was um, it was very successful, and uh, of course, you know, we try to do a couple different spinoff um, projects from it. It's kind of hard to to prove causation, um, but I think what was cool about it was it was a, just a completely different approach to how to study mm-hmm. for the exam. Mm-hmm. So that I think carries you into third year clinicals, and even if you do any type of clinical based um, medicine, it's how we kind of think of. Our patients, we think of them with a series of symptoms, and then trying to create patterns from that. Fascinating. This is a little bit off the topic, but are you familiar with a book called Symptom to Diagnosis, a no. Lang book? No, you, not. you might want to check it out. It's 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 very symptom focused. It's uh, sort of the counterpart to Dr. Henderson's the evidence-based uh, patient history book, oh, um, cool. and it's it's a sort of a, it's an evidence-based approach to symptoms and goes through different scenarios, but it, you probably would have found it <laughs> back then, you would have found it, and maybe even now you'd still mm-hmm. find it useful. Um, so t- take me through a little bit, so obviously you kind of fell down a couple times mm-hmm. when you failed the step one and then found success on your third try. Mm-hmm. So what did you do differently with the third um, attempt to pass versus the first two? Yeah, I think part of it was creating a different strategy, um, you know, knowing how I study. I I'm realized that I was that person that needed to pull out a blank sheet of paper or a whiteboard and write everything from scratch and, like, really dig deep and try to distinguish between diseases. Um, and that's really what the exam actually wants you to do. If you look at the question stems, none of them are actually intended to to try to trick you. They all actually give you an opportunity to show what you know if you can distinguish between the four different or you know however many different nephritises then you'll get the answer so it's really just about knowing how to distinguish them and that's what we do all the, all the time as doctors we use exams we use imaging we use labs uh, pathology reports right to kind of distinguish between diseases to make the diagnosis of course that doesn't work with all of step one part of it is very mundane and you just have to memorize what, you know, Toboy Summaries does. There's not going to be necessarily any clinical correlation that you might be able to, to pull together with that. But I think for the part that ends up carrying you into step two and then certainly beyond, that approach is really helpful. Hmm. Um, and, and so when it came to the symptom approach to, to studying, mm-hmm. Did, did you sort of stumble across the idea of focusing more on symptoms for the course that you ended up subsequently teaching, or did you use that approach during your studying? I used it more for the prep exam itself. Mm-hmm. I took kind of a different approach when I was studying by myself, um, but the course was designed to just actually start students getting all the way prepped and reviewed. Because the worst thing you want to do is during your dedicated study time is to be um, kind of re-reviewing things. Like you really just want to be focused on 
the final review phase and just focusing on questions and less about kind of learning new material, if that makes sense. So part of the prep course was just focused on symptoms-based approach to disease, of course, but then also giving students a chance to review kind of preview before the actual review dedicated time. Oh, I see. So you, your six weeks was leading up to the dedicated time. Correct. And then you set them loose, so to speak. Yes. And they went off and studied <laughs> on their own. Exactly. So, so going back to the vast amount of knowledge that you have to build the platform, mm -hmm. I guess you could call it, for step one, how did you deal with that part? Um, was that just something you acquired during the first two years and then you did find yourself reviewing and like had forgotten some things or, or did you have to sort of build that up after your two failures? I feel like unfortunately I did have to build it back up. Um, I don't think that I used the first two years of medical school to really, I, I mean medical school is not necessarily all meant, the first two years are not necessarily all meant for you to past step one but in a way it feels that way that the first two years are geared towards you passing step one passing that bridge allows you to kind of get into clinicals and kind of move on so if you think about two years as prep um, it's really your opportunity to hone your skills master the material you know, when you learn, at least at UC Davis, we have our curriculum is systems-based, so we do our, you know, microbiology and physiology in the first year, and then by the second year, we go back to cardiology. But actually, by the time you go to cardiology in second year, you need to look back at physiology, you look back at your microbiology courses, and start integrating those concepts. I wish I had done that. The other thing I wish I had done was, you know, identify the resources early that I was going to use during my dedicated time. Most people don't have a good strategy going into their prep time, um, to their dedicated study time with what resources they're going to use. They're overwhelmed. They're trying to use 12 different resources in a 16-hour day, and that's not a good approach either. I try to tell students that during your first two years, try to identify the source, resources that really work for you. You know, know how you study. Um, Pathoma doesn't work for everybody. Sketchy Micro doesn't work for everybody. There's a few resources that everybody kind of loves. UWorld, most people love. First Aid, most people love. And then outside of that, you know, getting a couple more, but don't overwhelm yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to actually use everything. Try and sample lots of things, figure out what you like, and then stick with that. Yeah, it's interesting. I was looking in the back of the um, step book, mm -hmm. and there's something like, maybe four and a half pages <laughs> of, of, you know, like chock full pages mm -hmm. of um, rated materials, mm -hmm. like from A to, I don't know if there was Fs in there or not, but <laughs> I didn't bother <laughs> to put those in, but, um, and all of these things you just mentioned, like Sketchy Micro and Sketchy Farm and Pathoma, they're, they're all rated in there, mm -hmm. but I was just, I found the list completely overwhelming. It like, is. How would a student know, other than talking to people that went before them, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So so which ones did you use that you found were useful as resources? Yeah, my favorite ended up being... Oh, and before you say this, mm -hmm. I should say that neither of us have any financial <laughs> interest in any products related to step prep, step one or step two, or any other board prep product. So there we go. I should have said that at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast. So I used first aid, 
UWorld and uh, Sketchy Micro. Those were the only resources that I ended up using. And I found that to be more than enough. Um, UWorld is extremely exhaustive. There's, you know, over 2,000 something questions for you to study from. Most of them are very repetitive. Um, and so doing that a couple times is one excellent resource. In fact, many people passed up one with UWorld alone. Um, I think first aid is, is really good for those of us that are pretty visual, that like charts and tables. Um, the thing that you have to remember about first aid is that it's truly a review book and many times an entire concept is abbreviated with two or three sentences. So you can't learn from the book. You really do have to have taken a course already or have some background before using first aid. So it's a good supplement to your medical school courses, but get the foundation first and then review it in first aid. So that those two or three sentences that are abbreviated actually make sense to you. Um, and then I love Sketchy Micro. I think the stories are really fun and I, I even to this day I still rely a lot on um, the spatial memory that's created by Sketchy Micro um, and remembering how drugs work and what they're used for and I think it's truly inventive. <laughs> I've had that experience on the wards with a lot of students who you know will be talking about an infection and all of a sudden the two two third year students will look at each other and one, <laughs> one will say you know that you know that's the something mm -hmm. sketch and and it triggers this yeah. memory and then they usually know the answer to the question it's kind of funny it's a great way to study mm -hmm. um and then in, in terms of your the way you progressed through the first two years leading up to your dedicated study time mm -hmm. did you use any of those um those resources regularly or did you just sort of start using them as you got to your dedicated study time? I wish that I would have used them more probably halfway through second year um, and even earlier probably wouldn't have hurt. Um, I was unfortunately advised <laughs> that I would be fine and that I did not need to start studying early um, and this was from someone that I trusted, you know, a big sib who did very well in step one um, and I think the culture at the time when I was at UC Davis was very much like it's not a big deal don't worry everyone passes uh, you don't need to start studying early um, but unfortunately that didn't work for me um, and so I hadn't reviewed much at all I think I had bought UWorld probably just a few weeks before dedicated study time was about to occur and you know, so that all of it was kind of brand new and fresh. And there's nothing wrong with waiting to use your UWorld until dedicated. I just think that um, it's just, it's kind of impossible to think that you can review all of two years of medical school in six weeks. I think this is a, it's a process that takes a lot of time and extra energy, knowing how you study um, and knowing your, your topic deficits very early on so that you can start making up for that. Um, and so by the time I got to my dedicated, it felt very much like, when did I learn this? I don't remember this at all. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to review material and actually create a foundation of knowledge all at the same time, which is, I think, really the reason why it took me so long to actually pass. Because I think if I was honest with myself, I hadn't really mastered much of it. So if you had to, go, to do all over again, and or, or you were advising yeah. somebody who was, say, had 
uh, well, right now the, the first year students are just coming to the end of block one. Mm -hmm. and, and some of them will be listening to this podcast, of course, because I'll be advertising it <laughs> um, to them. Uh, what would be your advice about when to dive in and start using some additional study aids for STEP? Yeah, I think that's a hard question to answer. I think one good thing is that UC Davis has been moving towards NBME, um, implementing NBME exams. I think those give you a pretty good idea of how you might score. Um, but I think in general, uh, starting at least by second year is probably a good idea. First year, I think it's a little, I think you're trying to get the basics. Um, you know, they do the, the micro I think they do microbiology in first year, maybe second year, but I think most of it is biology and physiology and endocrine, and you're kind of learning all of those early systems. So you should give yourself a chance to get the basics down um, before moving in to second year with now integrating the systems base, because then that's when you start doing cardiology and nephrology. And those are your opportunities, like I said before, to start implementing the earlier knowledge, because it is easy to forget it, but it is on step one. So integrating it, putting, pulling those connections together, because physiology is, cardiology is all physiology. Like if you mm -hmm. learn your cardiology pretty well, you're gonna learn physiology, but that's a good time to go back and start learning your circuits again, and you know, pumps and all of that stuff that we kind of learn early on um, and putting those concepts together. So I would say at least by second year, maybe middle of second year at the latest, is a good time to start going back, reviewing. And don't get me wrong, it takes a lot of time and energy and effort. I don't think by any means this is easy, um, but I think if you are one of those people that are like, I'm not quite killing every you know, exam, I'm not quite killing every topic or subject we're learning, every class, course we're learning, um, you should probably be honest with yourself and say, I might need more time. This is not necessarily an exam I'm gonna kill after six weeks, I'm gonna do just stellar on. Um, and that's hard to do, especially when you are with so many other people that you feel like everybody's doing so much better than me. Um, <laughs> And sometimes, you know, you want to just use your summer vacation to enjoy your time off or your weekends off, um, but you might need to put in the time earlier. Mm -hmm. So um, I know you haven't listened yet to the interview with the two Megans, and just to kind of run their advice by you, because I mm -hmm. think you talked to 100 students who've passed step one, they're going to have different sure. pieces of advice. Their, their advice was relatively consistent with one another. Um, uh, and that was basically that they both started using um, uh, the step, what was it called, the uh, first aid book. Mm -hmm. They started using that after block one to sort of do a little bit of review. Like they'd use it to supplement what they were learning in that particular course, mm -hmm. you know, where they'd be looking through there to see what was emphasized in preparation for the steps. And they, they seem to pretty much, um, although they tried different things, they seemed to pretty much say what you just said, which was they, they didn't think it was a good idea to dive into UWorld until dedicated, where it was just hammering through questions. Yeah. So it, it seemed like your message and theirs align in the sense that you're trying to build a foundation the first, you know, whatever it is, year and a half mm -hmm. before you go into dedicated, I guess a little more than a year and a half. Um, d does that seem like reasonable advice to you based on your experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I give that same advice to people 
um, the foundation really counts. If you can build that knowledge first, you can conquer a lot of questions um, because all of it is pattern recognition, it's buzzwords, um, it's, it's stuff that they think you should already know and have learned and somewhat mastered. I mean, it's difficult to master all the all the information, of course, um, but if you do build somewhat of a deep knowledge um, across the board on multiple topics, you're going to be in good in a good situation by the time you're doing dedicated because at that point you can just work on time management question strategy you're doing a lot less um you know studying in terms of like you would for a course and so what i usually say is that by the time you get to dedicated um you should be doing question blocks with mixed questions so i, I personally and everyone's different, but I personally don't like the strategy of doing a full block of questions of just cardiology, 40 in a row. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's not actually representative at, at, at all of the real exam that you take. So from day one, I actually um, recommend doing mixed questions, three to four blocks a day, and combing through every single one of those questions at the end. Um, with a fine comb <laughs> going over every single question why you got it right why you got it wrong distinguishing between the two diseases or three diseases that you got stuck on and then reviewing some of that material in step one our first aid or another resource that you like and if you do that consistently every day um you know for the first two weeks you'll find that by the end of the second and third week um, you're gonna see these repeat questions and you won't have to actually like fine comb through each one You'll be just missing minor points at that point, but your knowledge base will be what carries you through um, And you're distinguishing between questions at that point answers um, And then you don't have to spend as much time reviewing mm -hmm. if that makes sense mm -hmm. Yeah, and just trusting that process just trusting that you world is full of repetition. There's a handful of concepts they really want you to understand and you'll see those over and over again and you will see them again by the time you do mixed blocks by week two week three hmm. it, it's interesting your approach of mixing up the questions mm -hmm. um you know it's interesting for the fact that yeah it's the way the exams are built they don't do cardiology all in one section and then renal and then pulmonary um but it's also interesting because i don't know if you're aware that in the in the education literature, there's this thing called interleaving. And I don't know why they don't call it interweaving, but it's interleaving. And um, it's it's sort of almost like doing different things in your study. So you're not just like studying one thing, mm -hmm. but you're weaving in other topics as well. And it's it seems like that's almost like the question-taking equivalent of interleaving, because they think that people learn in fact, I think studies have shown that people learn better that way, and it sticks hmm. uh, more efficiently. That is interesting. Yeah. It's a it's in a book. There's a few books to talk about, but Make It Stick, which is this really pretty good book about it, education. If you get yeah. interested in reading more about the science behind it, I think I like it because it makes studying just not as boring when you kind of mix in a couple of things you may know from you know psychiatry and peds and then a couple of things you're maybe not as comfortable with from you know cardiology mm -hmm. nephrology you know you're gonna get um some questions in there that you're gonna feel comfortable with and you're gonna get some that aren't so comfortable and even if your overall test score is maybe not quite where you want it to be i think just the variety makes the mind <laughs> less bored and just kind of keeps you more interested in being able to study mm -hmm. throughout the whole entire day. 
And how about um, step two? We've mm -hmm. been mainly talking about step one, but what was your strategy there? How you, not numbers wise, but mm -hmm. did you did you find that what you learned by stumbling with step one helped you with step two? And what was your approach? I, I did a similar approach. I think with step two, um, for many reasons, it's a lot better and even a little easier. Um, you know, at Davis, we take our step two after third-year clinicals, and so you've had a chance to see a lot of the core, um, you know, rotations of family med and internal med and peds, and so step two is very representative of kind of all of that. Um, and I think for me, the clinical correlations made a little bit more sense. You know, I, I saw a couple of you know, diseases that I was able to put exam and, you know, um, uh, lab values and, and put those connections together and remember patients um, a little bit better. And so that was helpful on step two. Um, there's less of that kind of mundane, you know, what do DNA enzymes do? Like there's a lot less of that. It's, it's more clinical focused. And I think most of us are, you know, clinical-based doctors in the future, and so it, it's easier, I think, to mm -hmm. kind of study for step two and a little more interesting. Um, but I had a very similar approach. I, I used one resource book. Um, in my case, I used uh, Step Up to Medicine uh, for step two. That was, I, I like that better than the first aid book, um, which, again, goes out to what I was saying before, is knowing the resource you want to use mm -hmm. and just sticking to that one. And that same resource not may not be for everybody. Um, so I was actually really surprised that I didn't like first aid for step two as much as I did for step one. Hmm. Um, and I used the step up book instead, and it worked out great. And I kind of did the same approach where I did the random questions, you know, two to three blocks a day, went over everyone with a fine comb. For me, I like to take little brief notes and keep them in a notebook um, based on kind of topic, review that at the end of the week. Um, it went fine. Uh, and you <laughs> went great. Passed on the first. I passed on the first time and uh -huh. did uh -huh. did very well. So. Oh, good, good. And I, I've also had it pointed out to me by more than a few students that when you're taking your shelf shelf exams at the end of each clerkship through third year, you're mm -hmm. you're basically as you're studying for those and then yeah. taking multiple choice questions, you're actually studying for step two. So mm -hmm. it's a little more. It it's is. in sync with where you're <laughs> headed in yeah. terms of taking that big exam at the end of your it third is. year. It is. I totally agree. I think there's a little bit more opportunities as you go through the rotations to study for step two ultimately in the end. Um, and then, like I said, you get to draw a little bit more on your own clinical experience. And of course, we don't get to see everything as med students, but there's a lot of great cases you get to see and hopefully hear about and try to make those connections that... Um, hopefully, you know, follow kind of evidence-based medicine mm -hmm. or at least some of the answers that go along with the exam. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is it helps to be in a rich clinical environment and yeah. where you're seeing lots of diverse yeah. patients and cases. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And again, I mean, it's, you know, I kind of had the same approach even for the for the shelf exams, which was, you know, for me, I'm a little old school. I like to, like I said, I like to pull out the piece of paper and kind of write everything from scratch and differentiate, but I would review material and with all studying and learning, I think you have to do active learning. It can't be passive. Um, you know, you can't just read a book. You really have to figure out how to take what you've read and somehow manipulate it in your mind that you can 
um, you know, write it out differently or draw it out or mm -hmm. speak it, say it to somebody else, I think that's when you can kind of move things from passive to active learning it and it sticks longer. Um, and so I, I kind of did the same thing. Um, I'll just use internal medicine as an example, but, you know, I would, you know, take a topic like heart failure um, and, you know, that shows up a lot on the shelf exam and I would just kind of go down like, what, what should I find on labs? What should I find on exam? What should I find in imaging? Um, and if I could explain that and break it down to myself, then I felt like, okay, I got a good handle on this. And then uh, one good thing, at least for the shelf exams, they have the NBME practice shelf exams, and I would take those and time myself and uh, study any kind of deficit areas. Hmm. And are, do those come if you're signed up for the exam? Or are they, do you something you have to purchase? They do. I. Yeah, you do have to purchase them. I think they're only twenty dollars, which you know, even as a med student, money is tight. <laughs> but I think they're they are helpful. I, I found them to be very helpful. And there's other resources. Again, I think with all of third year, it was very much the same. Every you know, the the first thing to do at the beginning of every clinical rotation is set your study schedule. That's what I would do. First day of pediatrics, I had two months. I knew what day the shelf was. I would block out every weekend and not every weekend I would study, but every free weekend I had planned to study, I would mark it on a calendar and I would just say, okay, this week I'm reviewing this, this week I'm reviewing this, this day I'm taking this, um, you know, practice exam, and I would stick to that schedule. I did it six times for every rotation during third year, and it was extremely, extremely helpful because it helped me stay on track um, and helped me to identify my resources early. And every rotation for a third year, I did not use the same resource because they don't necessarily have the same book for every um, clinical rotation, or they're not all equally good. And so early, you know, first week, I was at the library figuring out which book was gonna work for me, and I would stick with that. Um, and, you know, I did I did fine on all the, all the shelf exams. I mean, I didn't necessarily do stellar on every single one, but I certainly passed every single one and did decently fine. So, um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is just consistency. Well, no wonder you ended up teaching a course, because <laughs> it sounds like that your evolution through the, the three, first three years of medical school were pretty amazing. Huh. I learned from the mistake, and I mean, it took me a couple of tries with step one, <laughs> uh -huh. but I didn't give up, and then certainly I didn't let, you know, my unsuccessful attempts on step one kind of color what would happen mm -hmm. the rest of the future. Um, you know, I definitely went into third year feeling very defeated, like, I finally passed up one, here I am, now i got to take these clinical exams, um, everybody's ahead of me, nobody, I, no one knew that I had failed, but I knew I had failed, and I had carried that into almost every rotation and just feeling a little defeated and low confidence, but um, I really just had to <laughs> pull myself back up and, like, I can do this and I think step one is really not um, it's it's not reflective how you will do the rest of medical school because it has so much other things that we don't use at all as doctors later on and um, so it shouldn't be representative how you'll do the rest of med school yes I've been doing some step one talks I don't know <laughs> if I told you this for the first year students mm -hmm. is one of the reasons or first and second year students and it, it, I'll take these questions, I get them all wrong. 
<laughs> I shouldn't admit that on, on a podcast, but not all of them. But, yeah. but it's it's so basic science, mm-hmm. and um, it's not like that. It's being reinforced every day. You're taking care of patients because right. you hope that it's out there somewhere in your consciousness as you're taking care of patients. But boy, when it comes to taking a multiple choice <laughs> question about you know muscle fibers I know. and you know. <laughs> You know, like enzymes right. and the Krebs cycle. It's yeah. It's I think the the clinical part of step two is just so much more relevant to what you've seen and mm-hmm. has been sort of part of patient care. So, any other last take home messages for our listeners? Yeah, I think you know just three things I always tell um, students when when they're kind of getting ready to take step one is just like you know, one, know thyself, like know how you study. If you're a question-based learner, if you're a group studier, individual, or, uh, you know, know that early on. I, I personally think that part of medical school orientation should include like a whole day or two of just figuring out like, how do you study, <laughs> um, you know, and adapting to that. Cause I think if you know how you study, you're, you're going to be set up for success first off. Um, and then secondly, you know, know thy resources, like figure out what works for you. It doesn't have to be the same that works for your best friend in med school. You guys can like different things and that's okay. And I know a lot of people will say, just do this. It works. It works for everybody, but try it first. If it doesn't work for you, it's okay. Ditch it, you know, try something else. You just don't want to be trying new resources during your dedicated study time. You want to know what you're going to use your you know, two, three resources. Don't get overwhelmed with trying to use everything. Everything is not great, um, and that's okay. Just figure out what works for you. And then, um, yeah, lastly, just, like, trust the process. Um, those first few scores you get the first few weeks may not be where you want them to be. It will get better. <laughs> you know, just stick with it. Just stick with your strategy. Stick with your plan. So, Elise, one uh, last question I have for you is um, in all of the studying and the stress of getting ready for these exams, whether it was shelf, step one, step two, and so forth, how did you, um, what did you do for, in your off time to maintain your sanity that was non-medically related? So, for me, I'm a big um, kind of arts and crafts person. I like to do a lot of card making and DIY projects. Um, so that's kind of what I would do during my uh, downtime if I had any. <laughs> so what, what do you mean by card making? You mean like, uh, um, like greeting cards? Yeah, or? I would make like happy birthday cards and baby shower cards and just thinking of you, hello cards. I kind of just keep a box of them. So um, when the time's right, I can always kind of Oh, them. pull them out and send them to yeah, people when send they have a baby out. or yeah. whatever. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. So I have I have a cricket machine. <laughs> Do you well, know what that is, no. Dr. Ronald? <laughs> no. <laughs> a cricket machine is um, kind of a little portable machine that cuts a lot of different materials. So it, it cuts paper and um, and uh, it can cut out little Hopefully phrases. Not crickets. And, no, not crickets. <laughs> But I, I can use that to make all kinds of things. So I usually, I, I've made a cookbook for my mom and for a friend. I've done a lot of different cards and um, just stuff like that. I just oh, enjoy fascinating. doing that. It's a lot of fun. Well, thank you for sharing that yeah. with me. Awesome. 
Well, Elise, I want to thank you for being on this podcast today. I am certain that our, um, our particularly our medical student listeners, will uh, find your advice incredibly helpful, and okay. I really appreciate <laughs> you being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I'm happy to help with anybody who reaches out to you. Oh, you I will can definitely share my contact be sending, <laughs> sending them your way, <laughs> at least at our medical school. <laughs> All right. mm.